Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day and welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast and today's episode is episode 77. So if you head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash 077, you'll get all the show notes now. Aaron Hughes from BHI Sourcing joins me this week to chat through the types of products that you can source from India. Now, Aaron's a young American. He's been living in India since about 2014. And last week, I met him in India with 30 other Amazon sellers as part of the IndiaSourcingTrip.com, put together by two times previous guests to the show, Megla Bardwaj, who's been putting together the Global Sources Summit in Hong Kong for many years. So she's got a lot of experience putting events like this together. Now, Megla held a one-day conference on sourcing and logistics from India during our tour, and Aaron was one of the guest speakers, so I had to get him on. Now, Aaron spoke about the products that you can source from India, um, which regions they're all from, uh, the product specializations, including the differences between, of course, sourcing from China versus India. Now, can I just say, though, that there are not enough superlatives to describe the week that we all had together, from five-star accommodation, meals, factory visits, a SIM card, day trips, a WhatsApp group, Um, you know, there was a day trip around New Delhi and of course, a once in a lifetime visit to the Taj Mahal, all included in the price. It was absolutely outstanding. Megla absolutely nailed this trip to the wall and uh, I can't wait to get back there again in April 2020. So she's already planning her next trip uh, for next year, for for April. So watch out listeners, I'm going to push this hard. She's offering an early bird discount, which takes $500 off the price of the ticket. Uh, it's an amazing deal where everything is taken care of for you. All you have to do is just get to the airport and after that, you don't even have to think about anything apart from finding amazing products to source and sell on Amazon from India. Um, and speaking of products, you'll find super high quality and unique products to sell on Amazon in niches which are not saturated, which is uh, you know obviously a real bonus. Now, the best part about sourcing from India, of course, is that the quality of the products, everything is absolutely outstanding quality. I did not see a poor quality product in India at the Delhi Fair anywhere. Um, And the products that you'll find in India are totally unique and in many cases certified. So, you know, thinking fair trade, sustainable timber, organic cotton, all certified, uh, all awesome. Now, probably the most amazing bit, the best bit, the most attractive part of sourcing from India is that you can't find the suppliers that you'll see at the Delhi Trade Fair uh, or, or their unique products on Alibaba online anywhere, which makes it nearly impossible for a, a, a competitor to copy you. Uh, we did not see any other Amazon sellers uh, at the fair. Uh, apart from, of course, Sophie Howard's group, they were there. So, you know, it's these early adopters, I suppose, from sourcing that are really going to succeed uh, when they're sourcing from India. Because if you're not at the fair, you're not going to find some of these amazing products. It's a very, very super defensible position to be in when you're selling on Amazon. Now, just a couple of quick announcements. Regina Peterbergsky is having another chatbot workshop next Thursday, the 31st of October, 2019. So head over to the australianseller.com forward slash bots, B-O-T-S, uh, and use the coupon code EBCT, and that'll save uh, a few hundred dollars off the course off that day. Uh, and of course, this Tuesday, the 27th of October, 2019, I'll be co-hosting an Amazon meetup at the Honey Bar in Melbourne with Retail Global and Payoneer. Uh, it's more of an advanced session on how and when to increase your worldwide presence on Amazon, uh, i.e. launching your products into other Amazon marketplaces such as Europe or into Canada uh, and how to grow your online store. 
So uh, just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash global to register for that event as well. And it's free. Uh, all right, don't forget to join the Australian Seller family over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. Uh, I'll stop talking now. Let's get on with it. Australian Seller Podcast, and today I'm delighted to welcome Aaron Hughes. Uh, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on board this uh, for this episode. Uh, we actually met in India just a couple of, well, actually last week, wasn't it? So you were doing a presentation on uh, the sorts of products that you can source from Amazon. Oh, sorry, from India <laughs> and to sell on Amazon. Yeah, I just thought it'd be great to get you on the show and um, and share with the audience, uh, you know, some of the products that they can find in India and and uh, why they're good. So uh, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself and uh, give us a bit of background on uh, how you've uh, ended up in India? Yeah, because that's kind of a crazy story. But first of all, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Uh, when I met you in India, man, it was it was fun to just kind of geek out over Amazon and share some strategies and things that you've been doing and, and to learn from you. So it's a pleasure to or honor to be here, I guess. And um, yeah, I first came to India in 2014. So right after college, I'm from the States. I uh, went to the University of Arkansas. Um, pig suey, although probably no one knows what that means. Um, and came to India with kind of just the mindset to do some type of international business. I wanted to do something that was a little bit different than what all my peers were doing. I come from Walmart country, if you know, I mean, everyone knows about Walmart, um, Tyson, JB Hunt, those the big three really from Northwest Arkansas. Um, so most of my friends end up working in a, you know, an office over there. Uh, so I took a role where we were doing, um, learning about the culture, about what it looks like to do business in a, in a you know, Asian country. Um, but originally when I came, it was more consulting work in, in the sense of like accent training and soft skills training with IT companies. Um, and it was really probably about a year or so after that where I got into sourcing. Um, India was pushing a lot of their exports with the Make in India campaign. And I was actually pretty close with a company from Arkansas that is uh, that sells collegiate game day apparel. So like, you know, anything with a collegiate mascot, whether it's a t-shirt to a keychain, um, And they were wanting to, to look into India. I had been sourcing from China for, you know, many years. Uh, so I kind of helped them get started with that, with just kind of some consulting work and research. Um, and that led me into BHI, which is Bright Hope Imports, which is uh, just, just a larger sourcing network. Um, and really our kind of unique selling point is we have expats on the ground in India. Uh, that help with anything from vetting factories to sampling um, to quality control and the shipping and logistics side of things. Um, and then after doing that for some time, I started getting interested in in product. I've always I have a marketing background, um, and so for me, like I've always been fascinated by um, you know e commerce and, and things like that. Even though I didn't really know anything about it. Um, so I started a leather company buying a bunch of crappy leather goods from basically side of the road vendors in, in Hyderabad, where I was uh, currently working. Um, knew nothing about leather. Literally, I was overpaying more than I ever thought at the time um, and putting it up on a Shopify site and realizing that's a really hard way to do business um, these days. And so February 2018, I started on 
Amazon because a friend kind of challenged me to. I was kind of scared. I was like, you know, didn't even know how Amazon worked at the time. Um, and got on and started seeing some, you know, a little bit of success, bootstrapping the whole thing just, you know, over time would just add, you know, variation after variation um, and just try to growing it uh, organically. And that's what... Led- you've, done a, you've done a bit more than that. I mean, you've actually got brand registry and your account's, you know, pretty advanced, really. Um, you've got all your all your products are branded and, you know, you, you really went the whole nine yards, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's, start, it's turning into a, a good business, um, but it didn't start out that way. You know, I, I started out with just like one wall, which, you know, I started... I didn't do the whole like learn Amazon then source products deal. Like I had products and I was like, how do I sell them? Um, and so if you talk to the gurus these days, you know, they wouldn't tell you to source a leather wallet because everyone and their mom is doing that. Um, but mm. I, I was focused more on how to build a brand, not just trying to source these unicorn type products. Um, that's what fascinates me. So I, I've done a lot of learning ever since then, but I'm more of a kind of learning by doing guy. So it's all just by trial and error. And that's what led me into focusing mm. on Amazon sellers to provide services for. Um, and so, which I've, I've talked to you in India more recently, probably just a few weeks old, I started an agency that's designed to be kind of a support center for sellers and also brands who want to sell on Amazon. Um, and so we represent them and manage their accounts and offer like offshoot services like photography and whatnot. So that's, it's all been this kind of progression, which has led me to where I am now. But that's kind of the long story of the past five years. That's a pretty cool story. And tell me, do you do any of your clients at this start? I know it's quite a new company, but is anybody selling on Amazon India or is it all in the US and potentially Europe? Yeah. So our focus with the new uh, agency is people wanting to get on US and even after actually going after factories, a new trend that's uh, that's going to be a really big deal is the factories are going to start going direct if they're not already. That's actually my main leather factory, I think does he does more revenue on Amazon.com than I do. Um, he started, that's actually how I found him, uh, is through .com. Yeah. So we're focused on the U S but I actually did. We, when Amazon India was, you know, a lot of attention was going toward, I, I, with a local partner kind of started up a little side business to try to see if we could get, um, outside of India sellers on .in because at the time they, you, you had to have a local GST to sell. Um, we ran into the issue of really just, there's just no margin there right now. I mean, people are selling things, they're pricing themselves out of the market. And if you're bringing a product into India with the import tax and everything, and then with a, you know, someone like our fee, there's just no money left to be made. We, we trialed it with it with, you know, a couple clients and it just really did not go off well. So there's obviously a lot of potential mm-hmm. in, in Amazon India. And I mean, you see the buttloads of money that Amazon's investing in it, but Right now, I just think, you know, the prices are so like I sell my wallets in India for like what, like a six of what I retail them for in the US. And I still get comments and reviews saying, oh, this is too expensive. And, you know, people leaving bad reviews because it's not like a Gucci quality wallet that's, you know, two dollars. So I've noticed Mm -hmm. the reviews can be kind of brutal here and and the retail points not as high. But if you have a unique product and whatnot, it's, you know, you can still make it. I I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but. Um, I think there's some hurdles to overcome. Yeah. I've got a friend of mine actually um, that sells on Amazon India and uh, he he's basically jumped through all those hoops. He's actually from Australia and um, he's jumped through all the hoops. He's created an Amazon seller account and he actually windows in lots of Australian brand products into the Indian marketplace because there's a lot of Indian students and 
you know, other sort of expat Indians that a lot of them might travel home again after they've finished their study or their working career or whatever they're doing. But they take a lot of these products back to India with them, these Australian products. So there's a lot of, lot of things going on for beauty and skincare and those sorts of um, wholesome type right. products that are being sold on Amazon India and they seem to do quite well. So Yeah, yeah and now good. that they've, I mean, that was, it's probably been within the past several months ago where they kind of opened it up to other people to create accounts. At first you couldn't do that, but now I think since it is open and people can just open up their own accounts, it will be a lot easier to make make your margin. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that that was possible now. Um, let's focus, just keep talking about the leather side of things because uh, leather's huge in India, isn't it? And it's a it's actually quite an interesting market for me because there's a lot of goat leather and a lot of, I think there's a bit of sheep leather. Cow, cow and buffalo leather is pretty big in spite of the fact that for many Indians of the Hindi faith that, uh, or Hindu faith that it, it's, you know, cows are kind of off limits in terms right. of you know, eating and, <laughs> and potentially harvesting for leather. But it's still huge. The furniture that we saw at the trade show there, um, obviously, you know, I was seeing aprons and laptop sleeves and all sorts of things made out of leather. So talk to me more about that industry and how big is it? Yeah, it is. It's funny. You know, we, I, we get the same reaction all the time when, uh, even when I tell people I have a leather company, which most of my products are all, all water buffalo. But yeah, the leather industry is huge in India. Um, and what what a lot of people don't realize too is is most of the people in the industry though are you know from uh, the Muslim or Islam. Um, India does mm-hmm. have or will have I think in the next coming years the largest uh, Muslim population. So a lot of the the major cities you know like um, Chennai, Kolkata, Kanpur, those areas are, you know there's a lot of the workers. You get a mix mix of people, but sure. yeah, the leather industry is big in certain parts of India. I, I will say from things I've heard from factories that India really is trying to crack down hard on it, especially the tanning process, because, you know, it, I don't want to go too far into the depths of people don't, I mean, most people don't care that much about leather, but there's the tanning process can be done in a variety of ways, but the most common is chrome tanned, which people mm-hmm. in that environment have, ter- you know, terrible life expectancies because it's just a lot of chemicals. Um, and then that ends up getting dumped and especially around Agra with the Taj Mahal and whatnot, there's a ton of pollution and a lot of that is from factories and, you know, tanning factories as well. So I don't mm. know what that will do to the overall, you know, leather industry in India in the coming years, but India or India in general is trying to pass a lot of laws to make tanneries and whatnot have better compliances, which, you know, that's good. You know, there's bad situations mm. with tanneries and stuff like that. So overall it's good, but we'll see how that changes and affects mm. the industry. Yeah, there's another way that you can tan, right? I think it was a veg, veg, vegetable tanning. Is that yeah. what it was? I think you, you talked about it in your Yeah, so there's sort of it's much more expensive. It's much more time consuming, but it's a much more eco friendly way of tanning. Yeah, so there's there's semi veg, which is kind of a, a mix of chrome and veg, and then there's veg tan, which is you know it is eco friendly. The the only issue is is the finish of the leather comes out different, right? So like the way that you tan leather, you can get different finishes, whether it's softer or harder leather. But veg tan t- tends to be a little crustier. So like you can't really use veg tan to make like shoes, for example, or, or certain types of products. It's just not ideal. Um, and it, it is a little more expensive and takes longer to do it. Um, and it, it's one of those buzzwords. It, like a huge market in the U.S. is this um, small batch artisan leather workers. And they're all about, you know, veg tan leather. It's like RFID, right? Like 
what, what really kind of pisses me off sometimes because mm. I sell wallets is like everyone's, you know, obsessed with RFID, which no one needs anymore because they're chip encrypted. Like people can't take your information like that. But, you know, it's just a buzzword mm. that people use that they think they need. Vegetain is kind of like that. Mm. Most the average consumer has no idea what that really means, but they know they want it. In my mm. opinion, I, I mean, that could, I could yeah, be wrong, but. And you're also talking quite a bit about um, just the, the different qualities of leather as well and where they're uh, different layers, right? So there was full grain, top grain, there's like suede. And suede is actually, even though it's a very popular type of leather, it's actually one of the lowest quality types of leather. Would that be? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's the bottom of, of the hide, but it, you know, that suede is one of those deals where it kind of depends on the end application. There's some products, I mean, suede is a, you know, depending on what you're using it for, it's still a good quality like type of leather. But yeah, there's those, basically they, I forget the technical term, but they like basically just skin down the hide and that's where you get the different gradients. So like full grain would be like the very best, mm-hmm. but the more they, you know, can kind of skin off, it, it starts mm-hmm. to get lower and lower quality. So what you see, and this varies on the leather, mm-hmm. but when you see a very like grainy, like thick, like grainy leather, um, a lot of times that's kind of the lower grain because the the full grain is the very thin. It's kind of hard to explain, but um, if you know leather, you can kind of see it and tell for the most part by the eye, like what it is. When I was at the show as well, there was a lot of wood and a lot of furniture. So why don't we talk about timber? Because timber is also massive. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of different types of timber from acacia to mango to teak to bamboo. Um, do you want to talk us through a little bit about the wood industry and the timber industry in India? Obviously, you think about China and India, right? There's, in my mind, the really key differences is think about machine power versus hand power. So China has the infrastructure and has had the infrastructure and machinery to do this mass production, whereas India really lacks a lot of that big machinery. And so they have the artisans and, you know, the hand touch to create this beautiful, like, you know, products, whether wood or leather, whatever. Um, But when you're talking about a lot of times on Amazon, we've had a lot of inquiries for like, um, MDF fiberboard type products, like really cheap wood, like, um, you know, like a kitchen island type assembly where there's metal and wood. Mm. And India really cannot compete with that. Like if you're just looking for a really low retailing price point for certain things, like I don't think India is the best place for that. I mean, even with tariffs, sometimes we've had quotes uh, on certain projects where they were they were quoting higher than the retail point on some projects. Um so, but wow. when it comes to this, the specialty wood items, um, and Chris, you saw a lot of the stuff there. I mean, it's beautiful, right? But mm. not all of it probably has yeah. a place on Amazon. I mean, um, for most, what, what most people are trying to do, but I think a lot of the smaller handicrafts, um, like I'm actually planning to launch a kind of a wood focused brand, uh, that's kind of geared around like the small mm. handicraft type wood items, um, and even thinking about like the mm. metal inlay, like you said, like combining metal and wood, there's a lot of, we have a really great factory who that's their specialty. They do a lot of metal inlay inside wooden things, like a wooden tray with like metal crafted inlay and things like that. So that's really unique stuff that you would see in more of like a, a Hobby Lobby type store versus like a Walmart, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it's not Ikea. That's for sure. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Ikea is a good example. Yeah, the quality of the products in India, particularly the wooden products, like everything from a chopping board to, I don't know, a tabletop or a walking stick or something that you might have on your desk. There's just so many unique 
wooden products there. It was uh, it was quite amazing. They're kind of yeah. spot for choice, really. And you can get yeah. the MDF fiberboard type products here. I just don't think it's their you know it's a strength yet of India. So the next thing, of course, was that we looked at was metalwork. So there's a lot of metal as well. So and lots of different types of metal as well. So there's lots of products that were being made from say brass, copper, stainless steel, wrought, wrought iron. I saw a lot of tin, a lot of galvanized tin type mm-hmm. products as well. You know, what sort of products are they making there? Yeah, I would say the the one main difference. So most people, when they when they talk about metal, that most of the people are interested in stainless steel, and that is one area of difference of China and India. Like the products you mentioned, so brass, copper, iron, tin, those things are are the strengths of India. Um, but there's really the the higher quality stainless steel comes from China because of the machinery, right? So India doesn't have a lot of that big machinery to do. Um, the same quality, although you can still get stainless steel, obviously, it's just a different grade. Um, but then, yeah, a lot of that wrought iron stuff and um, the the metal casting and stuff is done in these uh, kind of the north part of India where the, there's more of a desert region because um, the sand is actually an important part of the metal casting uh, process. Um, so, yeah, you can get a lot of that, you know, definitely don't go and source this, those copper Moscow mule mugs. Um, which are completely saturated on, on Amazon. Pretty much all of those come from India. That, that, that type of product, mm. especially where you have that hand finish, where you have the, the hammer finish or whatever, um, that kind of stuff is really, uh, I would say, India's strength. Yeah. Uh, you showed a picture as well of um, sort of the molding process, and they actually use a certain type of sand, and they dig holes in the ground and pour metal into, you know, molten metal into the, into the sand, right? It was quite, quite amazing. Really, just how hands-on it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, again, I, I'm not the metal expert. Um, Josh, a guy on our staff, is, but yeah, it's a pretty intense process, and we, you know, we can send videos and whatnot of of how they do it. But they use even after they they pour the metal into the mold, um, you know, they add this application that helps it cool really quickly and whatnot. So it's a it's a really cool process. Yeah, it's, uh, I would have loved to have gone to one of the, um, I guess, foundries. <laughs> it would have been a f- fantastic. Um, Probably the really, really big one for me was uh, apparel. And there was a lot of organic cotton, everything from scarves, quilts, denim, skirts, you know, caftan. Like, there was just so many products that were made from fabric. The And cotton's huge, right? So Yeah, another key difference. So India's strength is going to be um, like natural fibers. So like cotton is a big uh, industry in India, whereas like man-made fibers like, you know, nylon and uh, polyester – you know, you can get the assembly done in India, but most of the time they're ordering the fabric from China. So that's a, that's a key point. And you can get like blends as well in India, but, you know, typically a higher cotton blend ratio is going to be better um, in terms of pricing just because there is a lot of cotton grown in India. I'm actually sitting, you know, the office that we uh, we're sharing an office with another company and they're a spinning factory. So they take the raw cotton and end up turning it into a thread and then sell it to the you know, ready-made suppliers who, you know, they sell specifically to people who end up making like saris and things like that um, for the domestic market. But yeah, the cotton mm. is, is a big industry here, which you mentioned some of the products they make. Uh, but what a lot of people don't think about is the handloom industry, which I know we're selling on Amazon and price is a big deal, but handlooms are a really cool industry and just story that you could build around your brand. Um, and, and the difference, power loom and hand loom, obviously power involves a lot of machinery, whereas hand loom is pretty much the whole process is done by hand. Um, and I had a, a video of, of that as well, especially with the, the ECAT fabric. Um, that process is just like, once you understand how it's done, 
I mean, it'll blow you away that you could even sell it for a realistic price because of all the man hours that go into making, you know, handloom fabric. I just want to go back because the eco, sorry, the organic cotton is also fully certified too, right? So, and there seems to be a really, really big push from a consumer level to try and buy products that are a lot more eco-friendly. And that was actually a huge part of the Delhi trade fair as well was the, you know, everything from palm plates to eco-friendly um, yeah. cotton and, and materials. So why don't we um, just have a quick chat about that? Because that, that's something that is, re- like you said earlier, about India really starting to clean up its act around you know chrome, tanning and other industries. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think you can even buy a plastic bag in India right now. So you know, Yeah, a lot uh, of the states, um, amazing. you know, one-use plastics, you know, materials are banned actually. So yeah, India mm. is surprising. You know, there's they're leading the way in a lot of a lot of this stuff. But yeah, it, and with the organic cotton, that's the uh, GOT certification, G-O-T-S. That's right. Um, so yeah, whenever you're interacting with factories, it is important to ask what certifications they do have. Although I will say kind of a side note on that, it is funny with things like, you know, the Fair Trade Association and whatnot, because I've talked to factories where that's essentially just a way for people to make money. I mean, you can essentially pay a bribe, get the certification. And so there, mm. there's still, as Amazon sellers, you know, we're very limited in what we can do compared to big box stores because they have the resources and manpower. But I, I do have a pretty strong conviction that, it, you know, it's vital that we do understand who we're buying from because it's very easy to get duped. And uh, I don't know if you know the term catfished. Um, you see it a lot on, on it. Are you familiar with that term catfish? No, I'm not actually. I, I've heard of it, but I can't remember what it is. It's, Sorry. So if you can fresh on. I mean, it's this is off topic, but it's, uh, you know, in the U.S., people were getting duped about like online dating. They'd have fake profile pictures oh, yeah. and then they would date for years and never meet each other. And then they would meet and they'd be a completely different person. Um, oh, and so you yeah. see that obviously with Alibaba a ton because most of the people on there aren't actually factories. Um, mm. And so I do think there's a, a, a due diligence to our part of making sure we're doing our best at least to know that we're sourcing from someone who, um, you know, is a respectable supplier. Uh, there was actually just an article mm. that came out that was that was talking about how um, Amazon is allowing uh, products to be sold that are that are from blacklisted suppliers. So all these big retailers have lists of suppliers that are blacklisted because of certain reasons that they're not allowed to sell their products because they're not following certain standards. But with private label, it's opened the door to where there's not a whole lot of due diligence in terms of who, where the product is actually coming from. And so I think you're going to see a, a pretty big crackdown on Amazon on, you know, being able to prove where these are coming from and, and things like that. So I think it's important to get started now before they start cracking down and then you're buying from a supplier who's, you know, obviously doing things that are shady or illegal. <clears throat> Excuse me, 100%. And I think that's also really good, I guess, almost a plug for you to <laughs> as a sourcing dude, you know, as a sourcing agent on the ground in India. I think sourcing agents, not only can they save you money, um, obviously, you've got to pay a commission, but they can also make sure that the providence of the articles and the goods that you buy are genuine, right? So that's that's always a good thing. Yeah, and I, I don't care, you know, whether you guys use us or a local agency. It, you know, for me, it's you need someone to go into that factory and just make sure that one, you know, you're buying from the factory, and two, what they're doing there is okay. You know, there's a whole other talk we could go into mm-hmm. about child, child labor and how Americans view that and how they don't understand a lot of things that go on in Asian cultures. But yeah, you definitely, as an Amazon seller, we realize, you know, there's only one of us in a lot of cases. So, you know, you need to have someone help you in places where you're not able to go fly over there. It's just not realistic. So um, mm. highly recommend that. Yeah, 100%.
ceramics is also another huge part of the Indian economy, you know, materials and, and so on. So uh, I saw a lot of kitchenware, mugs, dinnerware, uh, you know, even down to drawer handles and all sorts of things that were made from ceramics, hand-painted a lot of it, hand-glazed. Talk, talk to us about ceramics and the industry there. Yeah, and um, I, I shared in my presentation one of the biggest – we've had a lot of people that were sourcing from China come to us and say, hey, can you get this in India? And really there's, there's some key differences in ceramics here that make a big deal in price and everything. But like you said, a lot of it is done by hand. It's more mm. of the artisan type, but even the type of ceramic because of the dirt that's available. So like the ceramics here are usually kind of more stoneware versus like mm. in, in China, you hear like bone china or porcelain a lot. Um, and really the kind of the key difference is the, the, the porousness of the ceramic. So in India, because there, it's stoneware, so like it's, it's not as fine. So there, it's more porous. So if you were using... If you made a, a spatula, spatula rest for the kitchen and you're you know dealing with spaghetti sauce and you set it down, it's more likely to get stained because that the porousness will absorb that sauce. Um, and so there's mm. some key application differences that you need to be aware of with sourcing. But um, and like you said, it is hand dipped when they glaze it. So sometimes the how much glaze gets on the cup whenever they're dipping it differs. So like quality becomes an issue there. Um, and you know, there's, we can send pictures of, excuse me, the big, um, you know, little furnaces they use to heat up the, the pottery, uh, you know, even where it's placed in that big furnace type thing, uh, sorry, that's probably not the technical term, but mm, the, um, kiln. the kennel, yeah. The kiln. Um, even that affects, uh, the quality of the ceramic, but the, the ceramics obviously are very beautiful, um, in India because, yeah. you know, I don't think most of your listeners are going to be looking to sell just your typical boring white bone china coffee mug like you know that's there's a million of those out there but those really cool unique Mm. hobby lobby type you know specialty mugs um india is the place to do it it was interesting that you're talking about the pattern on the like a plate or something so normally in china you would just have i guess it would be printed somehow onto so you'd have a consistent pattern but in india it's it's basically an artisan who sits there with a paintbrush and just plate after plate after plate does they do their best to try and create a, create a consistent um, pattern, but it still actually adds a, a real flavor to the to uh, you know to the dinnerware because you know it's it's all individually hand painted I suppose so yeah it's, it was just amazing. yeah and they've got the they've got the the approved copy in front of them and he's just you know copying it but but you know I'm big on building That's a brand right. and so I think a lot of these things some people could probably say they're negatives but I, I'm like no no this is like this is how you build a brand. This is how you tell a story about your product instead of just saying, yeah, it's, mm. you know, mass produced and printed. Um, you know, you talk about the artist and how it's hand painted and why it's special. And that helps you get a higher retail point. Um, so you're not having to battle on price because people like you and me at the end of the day, aren't always going to win on price because we're not, you know, if the factory sells direct, he's going to beat us. So, um, I think it's important for us to, to learn about the process so that we can tell the story right on Amazon. Totally. There's sometimes a little bit of education as well for Amazon customers so that they're fully aware that something is handcrafted or handmade so there will be slight differences in the product that they see listed on Amazon versus what they may receive. There might be a slight difference to what they actually yeah. get in the mail. So something else to think about there. Home furnishings was massive. They're all big, but home furnishing, blankets, pillows, quilts, you know, it just went on. Can you talk to us about the home furnishings industry? Yeah. So it, it, that kind of goes back to, well, yeah. So home, home furnishings is a big deal. You see that a lot at the trade shows. 
Um, so like anywhere from like pillows mm. to quilts to, you know, upholstered furniture, poofs, rugs, all those kind of things are really big in India. And a lot of those are obviously come from, um, they're made from cotton or like a jute type product. So jute also is a big industry in India, which is made from a vegetable fiber. So super eco-friendly, but a lot of the, even the quilts, like Kanta quilts are a really cool product that are made in India. It's kind of one of those specialty type products, but, and it varies by region, right? Mm. So like every region in India, there's kind of a different type of product that's made based on kind of just the heritage of, of the people there and how they, you know, like where I'm at in Hyderabad, uh, there's a specific people group called the Banjara people. And they have a specific way that they make fabrics. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I don't, I don't know how old, but it's been around forever. And they put these little uh, mirrors on the fabric. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's, it's like a little reflective piece. And so when you walk around the trade show, you can look at, the, you know, if I see it, I'm like, oh, that's, that came from this specific region. Um, so then that's one of the unique things about India. And especially block printing is something most people are familiar with. Uh, but that's a specific process that's done. There's a spe- specific place in India where they make these blocks. They chisel it out of wood. Um, and so then they take the blocks and they put it in, you know, eco-friendly paint and this hand, like one by one, just stamp it on uh, fabric. So it's a, it's a really intense process um, in certain areas of India have these, you know, that's right. traditions that go back for centuries. There was another material that I really liked as well that I saw at the show, which was um, this new material or newish material which is a synthetic material made from pet bottles or you know drink bottles disposable drink bottles right and there were dozens of sellers that were selling rugs and blankets and outdoor sort of products as well that were made from this material it was actually 100 percent recycled water bottles and it was just amazing how they you know the, the the recycling that's going on in india as well is huge and how they're actually taking what would probably go into landfill previously uh, and now turning into totally new products that that as well can be recycled down down the track when they've reached the end of their life. Uh, that was really cool industry. Yeah, and a lot of the we stopped by a lot of stalls that had uh, they use like recycled saris, so the silk saris. Uh, I'm blanking on the names, like Chindi or something that they they basically kind of weave into different products. There was one guy who had a lot of really cool bags and whatnot that was made from that. So yeah, it is it's so unique the the type of things you think about like they're they're making a product out of this. Um, like who would think to do that in the first place? But one of my favorite parts of your presentation was actually around the stationery and the handmade stationery. So, you know, obviously paper and, and journals and all sorts of things made from paper. And you talked a lot about how various industries around India are, I guess, located in areas that are sympathetic to the material or the product that you're creating. And, and paper tends to be manufactured more in the north near near the deserts. Mm-hmm. Would that is that right? So they could yeah, dry. I know that the Jaipur area is, is is pretty big. One of our main suppliers is, is in Jaipur. But yeah, it, the drying process, if you know, you see that picture of them, the paper all hanging up. I mean, it especially that's why monsoon season mm-hmm. can affect things, but it does need to be in a dry environment so that it because paper can tend to absorb moisture. And that's one thing to think about if you're doing stationary from India, even while, while shipping. If you send a box that's the factory weighs it, it's at 49.5 pounds and you're doing an LCL container to Amazon there's no guarantee depending on the season that it, it won't show up and weigh one pound heavier because the paper has absorbed moisture during transit. So that's one thing to keep in mind when you, wow. if you are doing paper related products to maybe you don't go to the, that close to the 50 pound capacity mark just to keep like a little wiggle room there in case something mm. does happen. Yeah. Buffer. Yeah. Cool. 
That's a good tip there. Thank you very much. Um, and also, <laughs> I think you showed some pictures as well of sort of some of the bits of you know pages of a particular journal had still had fingerprint marks on it from the worker that was putting the I think it was ink ink sort of fingerprints on a piece of paper as well. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's definitely very hand handmade. If you do QC yeah. for sure, you know, you want to instruct your team to like, hey, flip through the pages. Don't just like look at the first page because it's every pro- part of the process is done by hand, you know, and That's um, right. it, the paper, I, 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 one of my favorite suppliers is a paper supplier. So, it, you know, the funniest thing ever, like his family has been making paper for literally centuries. Like his name um, means like paper maker, basically wow. his surname, but mm. um he knows everything about paper. So like as Amazon sellers, one thing to keep in mind too is like being humble to like learn from your supplier because they know a million times more than you. Uh, But I I was showing Mm. him and I don't know if this is in Australia, but there's a brand called uh, right in the rain. um, And they sell like journals and whatnot that are uh, waterproof and it just feels like normal mill made paper. And I was showing him and I'm like, yeah, it's waterproof. And he goes, no, there's no way that's not waterproof. He rips out a page and like he licks it and he goes, Oh, I see what they did. They used like basically ground up bones of animals to make this resin that they put over the paper to make. And I'm like, he knows he knew all this just by licking the paper. And so it's like, man, lean on your supplier's expertise to like learn about the industry. Mm. I met a guy actually at just speaking of paper, I met a guy at the trade show. We just bumped into each other and had a bit of a chat. He was from America gotten his name now i think i've got his card lying around somewhere i want to get in touch with him but uh he was huge in paper mache mm. so he was in india sourcing you know for paper mache and they're doing a huge amount of business not only on amazon but also here in australia and, and obviously in the us as well where they were founded so yeah paper paper mache is also a big kind of industry there as well wrapping paper cotton paper was another interesting kind of yeah area as well so how, how, how's cotton paper made i mean is it just a blend of cotton and and wood well, well, man well, to be totally honest i'm gonna butcher this um, because i'm not an expert in the paper but they they use <laughs> a lot of recycled products and they basically just like they take the cotton and, and kind of smush it into these like pages and then like obviously they use a mm. an eco-friendly way to get it white but yeah it's it's recycled cotton that they use and turn into pages but i to be totally honest i'm not like an expert in paper and how it's made so that's all good um I think we're just, I'm actually just run out of questions here. Tell me, uh, um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your business and, uh, and then also how we can get in touch with you? Yeah. So there's, I think there's kind of two ways that we could probably, you know, help serve your audience here. And that one is the sourcing aspect where if you do need kind of a trusted friend on the ground, um, in India, I mentioned some of the services we offer before, um, but with BHI, um, you know, that is a big service that we offer. And we do work off, of, off a commission, uh, but that commission only comes into play when orders are placed. Uh, but anything when it comes to, hey, I need a factory for this product, um, our main focus is the categories that we've talked about on the show. Um, if you're coming to us for, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, a product that's going to be done, like a, a stainless steel necklace, like we would probably point you to someone else who could help you because honestly, China is going to do that better than India. Um, and so if we can't help you, we'll point you to someone who can. And then the other way is our new agency. So it's called e-commerce walla. And a walla is just a Hindi word that means like a person who does a job. So like a chai walla, someone who makes chai. Uh, but our... How do we spell walla? W-A-L-A. Um, okay. So our focus Easy. is going to be for brands who aren't on Amazon, but we also offer a lot of services for sellers. I've gotten a ton of inquiries about 
uh, photography related things. So we, we've got uh, a team here that does some really great Photoshop uh, when it comes to like infographics or lifestyle images. Um, and even if you're sourcing from India, we're uh, starting, I think next week, uh, we have a guy sending us his approved samples. So we're going to get the photography done and do all the editing for the photos and whatnot for his listing. Um, and we also can do content creation as well um, using keyword research. So like building out the listing and things like that. So, but we yeah. have a team of locals. So the price uh, is honestly pretty good because we have a team that can, uh, you know, do it for, do it for a good rate. Mm-hmm. So those are probably the two ways that would probably be a benefit to your audience. Um, but again, I'm here to help. So it's like, if I can introduce you to someone else who could better suit that person's needs and I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I'm not worried about at the end of the day, <laughs> anything other than helping. So, um, yeah. yeah, the best way to reach me is my email. Awesome. And, uh, my personal email. So you can just, it's Aaron is a A R O N dot India at iCloud.com. Um, and anyone can just drop me a mail and I'll, I'll be happy to help if I can. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing your wisdom and your experience there living in India and working in India and sourcing from India and selling on Amazon as well. So I thought you're the perfect guest to have on the show this week. So, yeah, big thanks to you and uh, hopefully our paths across again, well, actually next April. Um, hopefully we'll see each other then when I'm back in India. So you're going to be coming for sure. I'm coming for sure. Yep, wild horses. Okay, well, we'll definitely see each other. Fantastic. Then. All right, buddy, thanks again. Well, cool, yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Oh, not a, not a problem. Thanks for uh, spending a bit of time and hanging out in the show with me. Thanks, mate. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.